everyone. Episode four of Beers, Business, and Balls. Jake Zimmer, Will Tondo. It is absolutely stunning here in Connecticut. Uh, Monday, May 4th, episode four. Um, Will, what's going on over there, man? Uh, how you holding up in day, however long of quarantine? I think we're probably getting up past 50 to 60 days, to give you an idea. This is nuts. Yeah, I think we're tipping the 50, but same thing here. The weather is beautiful. Two or three straight days of 70 degree weather. Getting my sunshine, doing some yard work, just enjoying being outside. Uh, hit some golf balls, hit some baseballs. It's been it's been enjoyable so far. Beautiful day. I just we we were talking off air just now, but I got a Ping G20 driver. First of all, I I took it out of the box and I go, this shit cannot be legal because the head of the club is pretty much double my old driver so I was like wow I could probably take this out for a spin and be crushing some balls and I did I'm not hitting them straight but I'm crushing them so you give me a wide fairway and it's game over I'll challenge anybody to golf when it's safe and appropriate to do so you were hitting the range too or something weren't you not even the range me and my buddy Chris Hanold we uh we're at the baseball diamond just hitting some baseballs and softballs and I had my clubs in my trunk so we were just driving them into the vineyards. I mean, we were hitting five, six, seven, eight hundred yards just off the grass, and it was it was a fun time until someone hit a tractor. So <laughs> we bounced out. I can't wait where it's going to be consistently like this. It's eighty degrees in Monroe, Connecticut today. I would imagine it's in the high seventies in Long Island. Um, it's it just I need this to be every day. And the shitty part is, I looked at the weather this week for pretty much the rest of New England. And it's going to go down to like 50. It's going to be 48 this weekend. It's going to rain a little bit. Like, you can't do this to me. You can't. It's, it's just the start, though. It's just the start. I mean, April showers bring May flowers. It's going to be some great weather coming up. So I'm excited for that. More like roses are red. April is gray. I hope we can leave our houses in May. So um, <laughs> we're, we're going to have to see if we can leave our houses. Rhode Island's going to reopen um, May 8th. They're going to roll it out in some phases. So hopefully, you know, you and I will be back up in the same place in a matter of weeks. Um, Connecticut's going to reopen pretty much everything that's not a bar or restaurant on May 20th. So that's good news. Um, I'm not sure. New York's a little bit more complex because they, the city is one thing and, you know, they have upstate that they can worry about. Um, and then Long Island too. So that, that's where it starts to get complicated. Yeah, I mean, day by day, day by day, that's all we can ask for. I mean, it's looking positive. It's looking like cases are starting to slow down and hospitals are not hitting max capacity, which is good. So we're just hoping. I mean, all you can do is just pray and think positive and we keep living each day and let's hope it'll end sooner than we think. Hell yeah. So episode four, great guest, by the way, we have Eric Hubs from Barstool Sports. If that sounds familiar, um, he's a host of the Short Porch. He's a pretty um, obnoxious Yankee figure, too. Uh, you probably know him for being the assistant editor-in-chief at Barstool. Good blogger. Um, you know, very smart guy. His interview's awesome. Um, you know, it, it was a real pleasure to have him on as well. So we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but first, as we always do, we've got beers, one-third of beers, business balls. Um, Tondo's drinking something that is pretty rare and pretty sought after in the New England area. So without further ado, cheers. 
Cheers to some great warm weather. Uh, we're, cheers to being in May. It's gonna be May by Justin Timberlake. It's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. We're excited. <laughs> we're happy, and I'm drinking something very, very lucky that I got. Thanks to my girlfriend Paige's dad, Tom. He gave me Heady Topper from The Alchemist, and this is such an enjoyable beer. Uh, 8%. It's smooth. It's got great taste. It's got good aroma. I mean, I'm giving it a 4-5. Oh, it is. I, I've been looking for this beer for a while. It's very hard to get in many places. Um, you have to pretty much drive up to Vermont just to receive the cans, but I got lucky that he gave me a few cans of that, and so I'm very thankful and lucky for that and that's what i'm drinking and i know jake you have a great beer that shameless plug but <laughs> love to advertise on that so tell us about what you're drinking number three we can't decide a name but it is a house brewing company original if you're thinking wow i don't, I don't think i've ever had house brewing company it kind of sounds like that that beer in charlton massachusetts oh yeah treehouse it's got to be something close right fuck no no this is House Brewing Company. This is taking the world by storm. This is a Tondo Zimmer collaboration, number three of its kind. All Chinook hops. I think we did the dry hop of Chinook. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. it was like eight yeah, the now. dry hop. It was like probably, <laughs> we started that beer in like January, which is so <laughs> nuts to think about because it sounds like yesterday. Um, been sitting in the bottle for quite a bit. I had my first on Saturday night. Um, well, not my first, my first in a while. Um, it was really, really good. A Chinook IPA. We're calling it number three because we don't have a name right now. We put it out on the Instagram, folks. We need help. Um, it's got all Chinook. So we figured, you know, we threw out some ideas. We're like, ah, oh, maybe enemy AC-130 above for the, the helicopter. It's it's good in concept, but not really nailing it in the name-wise. So we, we need help. Send us your submissions, the.bbb.podcast. We want to hear them. We, you can make your thoughts known to us and possibly slap them on the outside of a beer. That's what we want. And it's really good. I'm, I'm giving it, we were talking as well about this. I think four, two, five, this is the best of the two IPAs we've made. The first one, we didn't really know what the hell we were doing, yeah. but number three is good. My uncle enjoyed it. My uncle's a, a craft beer maker and he loved it. So I'm not saying we're better than, you know, any, anything owned by Anheuser-Busch, but not saying we're not. start somewhere. You have to start <laughs> somewhere. I know. I was just, uh, what, the beer that I had last week from North Fork Brewing Company, the brewery posted a photo of their throwback when they were just uh, brewing in their kitchen. Now having one of the top breweries in the North Fork of Long Island and creating some incredible beer that a lot of people really enjoy to drink. So you got to start somewhere. We're excited that we're starting in Providence in our apartment and we cheers to see the future. We'll see where that takes us. Uh, we'll hop into business and then we'll go right into balls and then the interview. Um, we're just going to fire real quick because we had a, some pretty good discussions with Eric Hubs from Barstool. Um, we'll spend a few minutes on business for now. Uh, this week was yet another very peculiar week in the market. Uh, Wednesday, as a lot of people know, was one of the best days in the market in a long time. Um, hmm. I know I was up 15% on Wednesday. I don't have as much skin in the game as a lot of other people do. You know, I'm kind of just starting off and, and experimenting here, but 15%, I was probably, you know, I, I was pretty happy with that. Um, doesn't compare 
to what you were up, Will Tondo. Yes, I was a very lucky man. Um, <laughs> I can't even explain the excitement that I had because my overall portfolio was up 108%, doubled my money. And I was not going to take the chance with that because the stock market and investing is one big game. Uh, Matt Gosson was saying, you know, we transitioned from degenerate gamblers to college to degenerate, degenerate investors. <laughs> and I was wicked happy with my results. I mean, just to read off some of the things that really took off for me. So obviously the big ones that you know, help shoot up for me were Penn National Gaming and Grubhub and Livongo, which I've talked about in the past. But stocks that I had at an all-time low, that I purchased at an all-time low and shot up, one of them was Noble Energy. I got them at a 52-week low of 273. Flipped them at 946. I had Telenav. Uh, which they were at a low of 371 when I got them, flipped them at 581, which wasn't the highest, but that was all right. IBO, this was kind of like a penny stock. <laughs> Their 52-week low when I got them was at 45 cents. <laughs> now they're at $1.10, so flip that. Yeah. So it was a combination of eight or nine different stocks that I had that pretty much doubled in when I purchased them. So I sold them off so I can invest in the future. But yeah, at Wednesday at closing bell was my portfolio was at 108% in profit. So I cannot complain about that. I mean, there was a lot of combination with it. Obviously now we're heading into uh, May now, but a lot of uh, companies were just releasing their quarter one earnings and they had different reports on that, as well as the S&P 500 had a great month of April. So overall, I mean, definitely want to hear what other people are investing in. We've had a lot of great feedback from some of our listeners, but I have some more money to play with and we'll see what's taking us. What about you, Jake? What do you think's looking good in the market this week? A lot of stuff's looking good. I think um, for, for our stock of the week, I had uh, played around a little bit and I actually bought a company called Gaslog. They trade GLOG. Um, I had some buying power on Robinhood this week. So I threw some money in there. Um, they were down even more or right now they're down even more than when I originally picked it earlier this week. Um, I think I bought them around five. They're still down uh, into like the $4 range now, but they had a, uh, I think it was a uh, one or two year high of around 23, 25 bucks. Um, they were on a, a pretty sharp decline just with um, some regulations and things like that. But um, the way the oil industry is now, they do uh, liquefied natural gas. Uh, they call it LNG. So they, uh, they basically manage all uh, a, a big portfolio of natural gas carriers. And there's going to be a, a lot of money flowing around in that industry because oil and natural gas are so low right now. So um, the analysts are all saying buy. I think it got up to around 80% of uh, the qualified analysts that were saying, you know, buy. The other 18, 19 were saying hold. So uh, this is a really nice stock. I think it's... Um, it's going to trade nicely over the next few months. And even if it gets back up to 10 bucks, I think that's uh, something you should keep your eyes on. 
No, that's definitely a good one. And to close out the business segment, there's just one thing that we wanted to bring up, a little excerpt from Morning Brew. And going back to what we just mentioned with Q, uh, quarter one earnings, uh, the statement said Q1 earnings are set to fall by 15.8%, the, more, the most in more than a decade. But Microsoft said the coronavirus had minimal net impact on its revenue. Uh, that marked the first time in history the coronavirus and minimal impact were used in the same sentence. So, Jake, if you wanted to go into that, because you highlighted this. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I think that's nuts. I threw that in here because, um, you know, Q1 earnings across the board, um, because most of the earnings calls wrapped up this week, there's going to be a couple more trickling in, um, you know, throughout May. But 15.8%, I mean, that's, that's not a ton in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's still 15% of people's revenue though. So, and then for Microsoft to come out and say, yeah, we, we really don't really care about that. It's really hadn't had an impact on our revenue because we can still make it up. There's a lot of companies that are hiring consultants and saying, you know, show us the revenue models. And a ton of these companies are betting that they're going to make up this lost revenue in Q1 and Q2 and Q3 and four. So I mean, it's, it's kind of a trade-off. It, assuming that everyone goes back to work by Q3 and the economy has mainly, it, it's going to be impossible to have a full recovery in this economy in a couple of months. But if we get half the people that are unemployed back to work by July, then there's a really good argument there that we're going to have some some normal, and if not, you know, incredible numbers in Q3 and 4. So Morning Brew highlighted that. Uh, that that's definitely something to uh, to keep in mind as well. Beautiful. Let's hope. Let's absolutely hope. And now we're going to transition into balls. And before we head into our interview, we're going to do a quick around the horn of baseball news. Like we mentioned, uh, after getting Eric Hubs to do this interview, we really wanted to focus on mainly baseball, just because after the news broke this week from Jeff Passan, he tweeted saying baseball will be back in 2020. It's just a matter of if or when. And we kind of dive deep into that in during the interview when we talk about how the leagues might be positioned and what's the impact on the players and what kind of ideas are being thrown out there. But it is nice to see that baseball will be back and we definitely need it. So to start it off, I mean, we're just going to go quick with these few points. Uh, the first to talk about is the Red Sox cheating scandal. And it's funny, one of our good friends, Jackson Mitchell, commented, Don't, didn't you mean the Astros cheating scandal? <laughs> Well, no shit. Obviously, the Astros are the ones that took cheating by storm. And the commissioner's punishment to them was just horseshit. I mean, what was it? It was they lost a pick or I, I don't even remember. It was so long ago, but it took them <laughs> weeks to do and it was minimal. They lost the it. I'll, I'll sum it up for you. It was fucking nothing. That's yeah. what it was. It was nothing. They fired their own manager. They they didn't even that didn't even come from the fucking league. No, no. The league didn't even enforce it. It was them saying, you know, Manfred basically goes, here you go, Jeff Lunau, you have to fire him. And that was it. Like, that, that is such a cop-out way. And, you know, that, that's, that's a thing of the past, but I don't know. It just rubs everyone the wrong way. I don't want to reopen the wound. Um, the Red Sox, though, this pisses me off, too, because here's how this went down. Um, Cora gets suspended, obviously, or whatever. I, I, I don't know. It was his suspension had to stay, you know, because of the conduct with the Astros. So you're right. telling me, and then before I dive into Cora, 
they also fired the replay guy, the replay coordinator. His, his first name was JT. Uh, I forgot his last name, so I'm not going to say it on the podcast. I don't uh, think they even fired him. I think he was just – he's not allowed to do his job this year. Which th- – that's another th- – this is bizarre. So you're telling me that if all of this holds up, either A, Cora and this guy are both innocent and they didn't have enough evidence to take him down, or B – <laughs> this rogue fucking replay guy just decided that he was going to come up with this elaborate scheme to cheat and screw the Red Sox over, and they still win a World Series championship, and the manager had his head turned? My ass. My ass. Cora did not know about that bullshit. Of course he knew, but the problem is, I guarantee you they had no evidence to take him down. And it and sucks that's because that's the way that it's going to be and no one's going to have justice. And that's, that's how it is. And that's the thing. Once the commissioner set out the standards of what the Astros were going to get punished from, and it was literally a slap on the wrist boohoo. When people were saying this was bigger than like the steroids era, this is more cheating and more dishonesty to the game than people shooting up steroids up their ass. Right. Right. That they're saying that, you know what? Like, Astro, shame on you, blah, 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 blah. But you guys are still going to hold your title. You still, all the players are, no one's going to be hurt. And what, you lose your manager, AJ Hinch? I mean, who the fuck cares at that point? They won what they got. They got what they got. So before we get too frustrated with that, <laughs> that's all we wanted to highlight, just saying that, you know, Manfred will be Manfred and baseball is not going to fix its problems, especially with that. But the, Red Sox, the Red Sox got away with nothing. So they did, and I, I think before we move on to the next topic here, which is the New York Mets, I, I think, you know, and I get it, there's not, it wasn't as elaborate as the Houston Astros. It wasn't as, um, you know, harmful to the game as the Houston Astros were. I, I, I totally agree with that. A, a bunch of Red Sox fans are going to come knocking on our door saying, you know, oh, come on, we didn't really cheat too much. The Astros did most of it. Yeah, I agree with that, but I mean, still – the fact that this was planned out, it was deliberate, and it was malintended, those three alone are enough to, to get me going personally. So yeah, that, that's what I have to say about that. So we'll move on because this is obviously frustrating <laughs> to us and frustrating not only to just Yankee fans, but baseball fans as a whole. It is what it is. So now we move on to the Mets. And obviously <laughs> the Mets have been in sale, uh, on sale for a while, uh, Steve Cohen tried to purchase them. Uh, the deal fell through. What was it, like $2.6 It was a lot of money. That's all I know. And Steve yeah. Cohen's got a lot of it. So, but what was the, what was the breaker to that deal? It was Wilpon wanted to be the GM? Uh, they didn't really <laughs> – what I loved about the coverage of this was that, you know, they, they covered – Cohen's intentions and all this stuff and all these Mets fans are like yes finally Cohen's gonna be the guy and even I you know with uh, I've got a lot of Mets friends that are, are gonna be listening to this episode and I was pumped for them I was like good your days of misery and your owners cheating you out of bullshit garbage are gone finally you're gonna have a voice of reason that's gonna lay down the the iron fist and say all right cut the shit let's actually do some stuff that's good for this team and then there were irreconcilable differences. It just dropped off after that, and that's all they said. We don't know. We don't know what happened with Steve Cohen, and we never will. I mean, he's still now. He's saying he's back in the ring, which he'll probably, if this all is said and done because he has a lot of money, he could probably land the Mets for a lot cheaper than his original offer. But the name that came up that really – it. it 
it, it split it split my emotions. I'm not going to lie. It was Alex Rodriguez might put his name in the hat for the Mets. And as a Yankees fan who loves A-Rod, I wish he wouldn't do this. But as a person who loves A-Rod as like the man he is, you know, the entrepreneur, the business mindset, just like the fun overall guy he is, I absolutely love it. And I hope he does buy the Mets and he might partner in with, his fiance Jennifer Lopez, uh, <laughs> J Lo, you know, she's probably gonna pay for all of it, dude. <laughs> Who knows? But, I mean, A Rod just he just be uh, he just purchased a beer company. Yeah. So and obviously he is just a mogul in his own with all of his business endeavors, and he was a shark on Shark Tank, and he obviously does the analyst work. I would love to see it, especially because like deep down inside, you still have that A Rod. Jeter rivalry even though they were teammates and they put on the show there's still that rivalry it's like oh Jeter bought the Marlins I'm gonna buy the Mets yeah Jeter didn't even buy the Marlins (laughs) he just became CEO you know like and that's and that's my take too I originally thought you know oh cool A-Rod buying a team it makes sense they're in New York you know it's the Mets he's well he's never really had a direct connection with anyone on the Mets I mean it's the Mets it's Carlos Beltran hopped in he was gonna be the manager it made sense Um, for him R.I.P. Beltron, uh, unemployed like a lot of other Americans. Um, here's the thing. I absolutely need A-Rod versus Jeter in the same division. Oh, my God. I would, I would kill for that. I'd be, you would find my ass at City Fields. In, in the, I'd pay premium money to sit behind the, either dugout, honestly. Wherever there's an A-Rod-Jeter rivalry, I want to see that, man. I'll put on my Marlins hat and uh, take that to the bank. I'll, I'll get a Curtis Granderson Marlins jersey if that's the case. Or a Curtis and Granderson Mets jersey. <laughs> or just wear the Yankee jersey and combine yeah. them both. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, that that is some serious baseball. I'm all in on A-Rod buying the Mets. But I think baseball sense, it would make most for Steve – it would make the most sense for Steve Cohen to get back in. I understand his apprehension now. He's probably going to come at the Wilpons with a little bit of a cheaper price based on what they talked about. I think A-Rod's going to cough up the money, though. So, sign me up. We'll have to see. Let us know your thoughts on that. Because I know we had to have a lot of uh, Mets fans listening in. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Steve Cohen? Would you rather have A-Rod? Or is there somewhere else, someone else you'd rather have? So, let us know. I mean, again, I would love to see A-Rod as an owner. He's, those, he's one of those guys that anything he touches, it turns to gold. And I want him to succeed in this baseball managerial level as well. So, that would be really cool. And to close out the ball segment before we head into our interview, we're just going to touch on briefly about MLB The Show. So there was a simulation as well as the Players League. And the Players League just concluded today. And it looks like that Blake Snell, pitcher from the Rays, just beat up on Lucas uh, – how do you pronounce his name? Lucas Giolito. Yeah, Lucas Giolito of the White Sox. So that was very exciting. I mean, we were rooting – Heavy for Tommy Canely, who's a relief <laughs> pitcher for the Yankees, and an absolute electric factory. He is such a fun-loving guy. So, but that was really fun just to see those guys play the show. I briefly watched the 2K tournament with some of the NBA players, and they just weren't as fun um, with the commentary. You know, it was cool to see them play, and like they had some fun and stuff. But their commentary wasn't that great. Like the MLB The Show one. Like, the baseball players really got in there and, like, 
did some taunting, did some fun play. Like they were, they were having a good time. So that was good to see. But then they also had the simulated season as well. And I don't have the specifics on it right now, but I, th- I, I believe the Yankees are at the top of the AL East in the simulated series. But Jake, how do you feel about this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, what's really good is that, and I haven't been keeping up with the the simulation for full disclosure because I really don't give a shit. Um, it kind of sucks that I'm saying this, but um, I mean, the Players League was really fun because I, I was able to watch that on MLB Network. We had Roflo calling the games pretty much, Robert Flores from MLB Network. He was calling the games with the two of them and just kind of moderating the conversation for most of the games. Um I wanted Commissioner Canley up there, of course. Uh, he just got left out of the playoffs. Um, dude, I'm – fuck. I'm looking at the standings and, like, Dwight Smith Jr., Giolito, uh, Ian Happ from the Cubs, and Gavin Lux from the Dodgers. They tied for the yeah. bottom four places. And Canley and Trevor May were right there. I would have ten times rather had both of them, Canley and Trevor May, in there. They just Rather weren't than, good as the sticks. They weren't good in the sticks. Yeah, and fucking Dwight Smith, who's never going to yeah. sniff time on any good baseball team, goes 19 and 10. Bullshit. Um, I don't know. It, this was really fun. Uh, I loved Fernando Tatis. He was hitting dingers and, you know, talking Spanish on his Twitch stream all the time. You had, And actually, I, I really did like Snell. He killed in this tournament. He was nails. 24 and 5. Um, he was pitching – I'm pretty sure with himself for most of the time. And I mean, it's good when you know your own stuff that you're throwing at batters, but really cool. I, I hope if baseball is going to be gone for much or for, you know, even a little bit longer, I hope they do more of these because that's pretty cool. Um, and it gives us something to look forward to at least. Exactly. And now to keep this conversation going with baseball, we are excited to announce our third interview on episode four of beers, businesses, balls. Here is Eric Hubs from Barstool Sports. All right, listeners. So we are on episode four, and we have a great guest. Eric Hubs, Barstool Sports, Yankees, and MLB writer, co-host of The Short Porch. Hubs, how you doing? What's going on, guys? Pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you for the introduction. What's going on? Of course. Yeah, we're just, you know, living in quarantine. So, you know, first things first, how are you holding up, you know, staying indoors? You said you were in Jersey. So how's everything on your end? Yeah, um, I, I, I do fine in this, uh, this like isolation from everyone else. Like I, I'm like, it, you, if you work for Barstool, like, and you're meant to work for Barstool, like you should be, you should be totally fine, you know, in this situation, like our lives are on the internet, you know, so um, we kind of thrive in this. Um, I went, I live in the city, but I, I, I'm from New Jersey. So I went back home um, after a little bit there and, uh, you know, home cooked meals. I get to see my dog and, you know, I, I don't, when I go outside, it's walking my dog and then I come back in. So it could be better for sure. You know, I'd love to play a little basketball here and there, but you know, can't do that, but uh, whatever, making, making do with what I got. And then hopefully the world corrects itself in a little bit and we get to go back to some sort of normalcy. But for now I'm just doing this and I'm hanging in there. Exactly. As long as you're uh, happy and healthy, that's all we can do right now. Happy, I wouldn't say is the word, but, <laughs> but, it, but content is the word. Happy with baseball starts up again. I'll be happy. Absolutely. So to kind of start off the interview, obviously many people that listen to us know you, but kind of give us an introduction on, you know, your upcoming, how you started, how you ended up at Barstool, and then of course your role with Short Porch and the Yankees. Yeah. Um, so I went to Syracuse through college. Um, didn't 
do a whole lot there. Uh, you know, mediocre GPA, not a whole asp- a lot of aspirations out of that. Um, wasn't in like the top communication school, whatever. So kind of just got my degree and got out of there. Um, had a great time, but uh, didn't do a whole lot for my career. I feel like um, got some terrible um, cold calling advert sales sales job out of school that had sports tied to it. So I was like, Oh, cool. This will be cool. Had a good pay starting salary. And then it being like the worst job in the world. Um, after like three months, I just didn't know where to go and couldn't stay there any longer. And that's when Barstool was Barstool used to be Boston, DC, New York, Philly, all that. And they were coming together in New York. So I was like, Oh, cool. This would be crazy. You know, I've been a Barstool fan since like my freshman year of college, all that love the stuff, consume all the content. Um, didn't apply for the original intern run with like Rhea and Glennie and all them. Didn't think I was, you know, going to stand out that way. Uh, but then K Marco was the editor in chief. He just became the editor in chief. And I was like, me, I saw a lot of me and him and uh, reached out to him through email. He wasn't really looking for an intern, but I kind of like just created the opportunity for myself. He brought me in for an intern. I sent him this whole email and he responded to me. It was amazing. And he brought me in for, um, for an interview and uh, I, I guess I did well enough for him to bring me on. I, I, I told him my, my like selling point was like, you don't have to pay me right now. Like, let me earn a role here. And like, you know, you feel down the road, you want to pay me? Sure. But like, I can't go back to where I just came from. Like that place is the worst place ever. Uh, so he, he did that. He said I was overqualified for like the work he was going to give me because he didn't really have work to give me. But I kind of just created shit to do. And, uh, and, and that's what you kind of have to do with Barstool is like create your, you know, one's going to tell you what to do. But, like, there's so much freedom to do all these things. You can create your own roles. And a lot of people do that, and I was one of them. Um, and I just did little by little and built my way up and, you know, proved my value to him. And then he allowed me to write a little bit. And then, you know, the Yankee opportunity became available because they didn't really have a full-time writer. Um, and then, you know, once that got going, I became part-time and then um, started to get paid, and um, which was nice. And then um, – <laughs> And then uh, Tommy wasn't as Tommy wasn't Tommy Smokes at the time, but he was a friend who, you know, I would, you know, we'd get lunch for at work and all that. And, you know, we became friends over time and he was originally supposed to be the producer of the show. Uh, and it was going to be me and Frankie Bradley, but then Frankie kind of was just more fit for the golf thing. Obviously four plays blown up, blown up with him and he made the right call. Uh, but then Tommy became my original co-host and then we did it uh, for like a year. And then eventually we came onto the Barstool official like feed um, cause we were kind of just testing it out. We had both never done podcasts before. So we had to get better before we wanted to like <clears throat> really like launch it. Um, and then we, you know, worked our way up and then we added mush and now everything's off and running. Everything's great. Um, and we've been, I think we've been really crushing it in quarantine and, uh, and the blogging just kind of comes through with that. And I don't just blog Yankees. I'll blog anything I see funny, anything baseball related, you know, whatever, um, that like, you know, I'm not stepping on anyone's toes for cause we all have our certain niches. Um, and then uh, I also, I'm like basically at this point, K Marco is number two with like the editor in chief stuff. So that's cool. And I, I help out social media. Um, every blog you see tweeted from the main account on Barstool, I'm scheduling that throughout the day. So do, do a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, it's just kind of just work your way up and create your, own, create your own opportunities and see where it goes from there. Definitely earned your pinstripes and uh, <laughs> make your way up. Yeah. It's a funny way to put it. But yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely worked hard to get where I was at to get where I'm at right now, but uh, there's a lot more to go for sure. Yeah. So hubs moving into the, the Yankees side of things, 
you're quite obviously one of the more dedicated Yankee fans uh, all over social media now, too. So I'm curious to know, what were some of those early Yankee memories that stand out? Uh, wondering, since you're a Manalapan kid, did you go to Yankee Stadium a lot? And um, if so, I, I'm very curious to see if you remember your first game and, and what it was. Definitely don't remember my first game. Um, I have a terrible memory. I can barely, <laughs> I can barely tell you. I, I'm so bad with like trivia and any of that. Like, oh yeah, my brain, my brain just doesn't operate like that. I, I focus on the present and I move on from there. Like, I'm so so bad with memories and all that. Um, <laughs> I'd say like my earliest memory of like watching a Yankee game or like the one that I that's important enough for me to stow away is Aaron Boone. Like, it's not it's not my first memory. I've been watching the Yankees way before that, but it's the one that's like stuck in my head. I'll remember everything about that. I wasn't there, um, but um, so I grew up in central Jersey, so it's like a good hour and a half, two hours away from the Bronx, you know, when you're driving and all that, and that's where me and my dad would do, and um, so we'd, we'd go on a weekend, like here and there, nothing crazy, like it was always a big deal when we went, um, you know, cause, because we live so far. Now I'm in the city, I can hop on a subway and get there in 25 minutes, it's crazy, um, but um, yeah, I would go here and there. Um, and he would get tickets from work and all that. So it was, it was really cool. Uh, but uh, now I go way more. And so I, I don't, I, I can't tell you my first memory, but I've been to a, a shit ton of Hideki Matsui walk-off home runs. I feel like <laughs> I, I, that guy, every time we went, that guy would just come through every single, I mean, he was just so nails. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I haven't been to like, I wasn't at a game as a kid that I'd be like, yeah, you remember that game? Or yeah. I, the only thing I could think of, we went to one where, I think Tony Womack and Matsui went back to back to tie the game and then then win the game. That's uh, incredible. It might have been against like the Padres or something like that, but I remember being at that game. But like I haven't been to a milestone game or anything historical like that. I've been to recent games that are awesome, but um, nothing like as a kid that stands out. That's so funny that you mentioned Matsui, dude. I, I love that motherfucker. I share the birthday with him. Um, and oh. I was at his first old timers day where he came back. I turned to my dad. My dad and I have been doing this for, I think, nine straight years now. I turned to my dad. I go, he's going to hit a homer his first at bat. Yeah. No yeah. way. And it's so funny they mentioned he's nails because, I mean, even in his 40s, in an exhibition game, he was doing this kind of stuff. I don't think people appreciated him enough when he no. was playing with the Yankees and just how consistently, like, clutch he was and just consistent and all that. He's just mm -hmm. awesome. I mean, we were ESPN was showing game seven of the 03 ALCS last night, and he just comes up and just, like, he's so intimidating because he was so calm at the plate. Like I almost think like he didn't have a heartbeat. Like he just like, he was just a cold blooded assassin at the plate every <laughs> single time, you know, never really was affected by any moment, never like had any panic in his, in his eyes. He's just, he's just an assassin. And yeah, we definitely didn't appreciate him at the time. And I guess like, I don't know who we have, I guess like they're not the same player, but like DJ LeMayo has a little bit of that in him where like, there's just nothing that's ever going to bother that guy at the play. He's yeah. just a pro's pro and all that. So, but uh, yeah, I miss Matsui. I, I never understood why he left the team, you know, why, why they let him walk and all that. And the, him seeing him is like a Ray and an Oakland. It's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> but uh, I, I love that guy. He's, he's easily like top five Yankees for me. He probably is yeah. number two, to be honest. It's right behind Jeter. I mean, that was one of my biggest heartbreaks as a kid was like, we won the World Series, he was the MVP, and then the next year he wasn't on the team. And I was oh, just looking around, I'm like, why? I mean, this guy was just incredible. Anytime he was on the on the base, and it was just, it was a heartbreaker. It was six RBIs in game six, and we just yep. let that guy go. I don't understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that was, uh, that was really hard to understand for me. 
So kind of transi- transitioning. So you obviously mentioned some great baseball moments, and now we have to deal with baseball in the present now. Um, obviously, there's the plan to reinstate baseball whenever that might be. If you were the commissioner, what kind of plans would you place out? Because obviously, we have these proposed plans of either, you know, the grapefruit and the cactus league or these divisional series, these divisional teams. What would you say is like the best overall solution for this? First rule, the Astros are not allowed to play. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're just not allowed in any fun whatsoever that's about to happen. They need all the money that none of the players get paid, nothing. Um, so that would be rule number one before you even get started with planning. And before um, you dive in too, just to dive into the Astros a little bit more, I, I was on um, one of the local radio shows on Monday down here in Connecticut, and we were talking about – what the implications are for the Astros now. And it's almost unfair that they're just not going to get relentlessly booed this year. It it just sucks. And I hate it. So I agree with you. You could even suggest that they're the ones who created the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's that crazy. Like I I, did. Oh, Hey, let's, how do we avoid this? Let's kill half the world. (laughs) Hey, we had conspiracy. We had our buddy who's a conspiracy theorist on the show last week. And that, it came up. It came up. Yeah. I also have another conspiracy theory that the moment the that I wrote this in a blog today, the moment that Derek Jeter didn't get voted unanimously, like that was it. It, it, the world like tilted weirdly, and then like everything <laughs> went to shit from that. Like you can just go back and make sure that guy votes for Jeter. Like we're in the middle of the NBA and, and, and NHL playoffs. Baseball is going on. Tigers won his second Masters yep. in a row. <laughs> All that normal stuff. We have a Memorial Day weekend to look forward to. No, it, just because that guy didn't vote. <laughs> earth just like shifted in the wrong way and like you know we're, we're we're facing the repercussions but no so back to baseball um i think passon put it best today i think he was forget who he was talking to but like they're, they're throwing just a lot of ideas at the wall and hoping one sticks and i like that like there's just like we don't know like there's no right way to do this and i think the and what he said he used a line that said don't let perfect be the enemy of good because like there is no perfect option here. One, you know, you're going there. Everyone's going to have a complaint about whatever they decide. But at the end of the day, we need baseball to come back. And like, it, you have to understand that this isn't going to be a perfect solution, but it's good enough. Like, I almost don't even care who wins the championship or the world. I don't even know if you can call it the World Series. But like, I don't care who is going to win it. I need to just see the sport and like be distracted from like the miserableness that's going on right now. So like that's like I don't like it would almost be a situation where like it'd be so weird to win whatever this is like I don't know what kind of season we're gonna have and all that but let's say it's a hundred game season or or an eighty five game season and then they have your playoffs whatever I don't know like if I can you can say it's the Yankees twenty eight championship but like everyone who loses that year it's gonna be like well this was just a weird year like you can't count their shit so like I don't know At the end of the day the results don't even matter it's just we need to see people play baseball on a television and, and just, you know, take a step back and just relax a second from like what's going on. But what I would do, I mean, I don't hate this division plan they're throwing out there. I, I mean, it, it would be funny shit for the Mets and the Yankees to be in the same division as, and then the Red Sox are there too, the Phillies, the Nationals be awesome. And it makes sense. And they'd be playing at their home parks, which is very nice. You allow like guys like Garrett Cole, who's, who's expecting a kid in June it doesn't seem like it would start probably until late June, early July. He'd probably have a kid already. But Mike Trout, I think, is his his wife's due in August. It would allow these guys to be, like, near their families, which is obviously priority. Um, you know, that, that, that would be a big detractor, you know, 
having everyone be in Arizona under a biodome be like, yeah, you just can't see your family for five months. That just doesn't fly. I mean, it's a nice thought. Like, and some people are like all, you know, some people with wives are like, yeah, I'll fucking do it. If it means I get paid, like, sure. But there are also other people like Mike Trout and Garrett Cole who would be like, all right, like this is, come on, I need to see my wife and all that. So um, I think this is a good plan what they have now. Sure, it needs tweaking and all that. And, you know, I think it would probably be what a universal DH, which is going to be the case anyways in a year or two. Um, and then I don't know what, you know, safety rules are going to be in play, whether you can limit in mound visits or, you know, the, the thing about sitting in the dugout. I don't know if that's going to happen. There's, diff- there's certain things. Um, but there was something today where uh, the mass testing is going to be expanded and everything by late May, early June. That's almost a must. We, you can't even start like any options until that happens. So the fact that that's actually in play is huge. So it does seem like we're going to get baseball. I don't care how we get it. I don't care if they play in Japan, if they play on the moon. I don't care. I just don't. I, I, I do not. Like, I'm just willy. People are like, oh, this isn't, this isn't baseball. I don't want to watch this. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't watch the sport. Just don't watch it. Then. You don't like baseball then. You don't watch base. You don't like baseball enough if you're not okay with anything they give us right now. Because I'm dying inside to yep. see this shit. So, I mean, if, if it's not perfect enough for you, then just go to sleep, go hibernate. We'll see you next summer. But like for now, like I'm, I just want to watch whatever they want to throw at me and it can't happen soon enough. Amen to that. I mean, that is perfectly said. I just, anything, I mean, it was nice, you know, sports are starting to come back and it was nice that we had the draft and it was at least something, you know, it's not football, but it's something. So just to get these guys back to, you know, whatever we call spring training at this point, I just, I need to see Garrett throw Garrett Cole throw some pitches. I need just yeah. anything. <laughs> I just want to watch Garrett Cole put on pitch trips, man. It's, 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 I just want to watch Aaron Judge play baseball yep. and, like, not be hurt. Like, is that too much to ask <laughs> well, for? Well, now, now that might be asking too much. Let's, let's I want to watch that guy. I want to watch Giancarlo. I just want to watch Luke Voigt. I want to see a healthy Luke Voigt again. Yep. That guy's so awesome when he's healthy. Like, he struggled so much the second half because he was just dealing with torn ligaments in his – I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> but – um, I just want to watch these guys play baseball. I just want to watch Garrett Cole throw baseballs. I want to see the young guys, Mike King, Clark Schmidt. I want to see these guys pitch. And it's a good opportunity for them because they're probably expanded rosters and all that with how many games they're going to play. So I, I, I think it could be a lot of fun. I think it'd be, if you can just allow your imagination just to, like, run wild a little bit, like, I think, you know, if you, it could be a lot of fun. I think we could have a lot of fun as a country watching baseball. And it's a big opportunity for baseball, too. Because yeah. I don't know. It does seem like the NBA is going to come back two it, does, it seems like that the way they're talking where there's coming vegas whatever it's a little trickier nhl i don't know how the fuck football will be back but we'll see <laughs> but this is a big opportunity for baseball and it's a it seems like everyone's on board like they have you know the cdc and all that fauci they're smart people in play right now that a month ago weren't even considering this and now it's like all right here we go so i don't and i don't know what happens if someone tests positive does it shut down the whole league yeah. i don't know but it seems like we're heading in the right direction and that's good, good enough for me. And you heard it here from hubs right there, bring back baseball America's pastime and we will end coronavirus with that. And we just need some positive news. So kind of headed into with your role with the short porch, obviously you've had a lot of great players and baseball personnel that you've interviewed. Who is one of the coolest people that you've got to interview and speak to thus far? So we have Nick Swisher this week and that was an hour of just, Unbelievable. Like we honestly, we, right before we hit record, we were just, me, Tommy, Mush were just talking. We were just like, man, this has to end. Like this sucks. So we were so <laughs> miserable. Yeah. 
and five minutes into Swisher just talking and going, he's just the most positive person in the world. We we said to ourselves on the show, we're like, we don't even care if this is recording anymore. Like we just do <laughs> this for ourselves to like pick ourselves up. I mean, like we might actually just take out. We have a whole intro that gets people pumped up and shit. I might just put a minute of Nick Swisher just talking about <laughs> life, and that just like gets you into the short force because it is so good to hear. And like that guy, I have no idea how how he stays that positive all the time. Like he just loves life. He love he he is so he's so fortunate. Um, he believes he's so fortunate, like to have all the breaks he's had in his life, and he just takes nothing for granted. And uh, I mean, he, he was the best. So Nick was always a, a you know a, a white whale of ours to get on, and we almost had him like last year, but things, certain um, you know scheduling conflicts and all that. But it worked out that you know he's stuck at home and all that. So we're taking the opportunity. You know, we've had we've crushed it. We've had Canley uh, during quarantine, Ottavino, Voit, Swisher. I mean, those are four big time guests. I, I'm really happy for. Um, but I, I was talking to somebody yesterday about it to answer your question. Um, when we had John Sterling on the first time down in Tampa, like just from a Yankee fan, just a Yan- like selfishly from a Yankee fan standpoint, like sitting like two feet away from that guy and you just hear his voice in person and he's just telling you all these stories. That was, cr- that was a crazy moment like in my life that I'll never forget because we were just down in his hotel in his lobby and we're just talking to the guy. And it's like, how do we get here? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is like, all I remember from John Sterling as a kid is I'd be in the car with my dad and you hear John Sterling telling you what's going on in the Yankee game. And he might be wrong. And, you know, he might tell you that <laughs> there's an infield fly ball that is actually a home run or a home run that's actually, you know, hmm. foul or whatever. But <laughs> but it, that's just a John Sterling experience. And he's a legend. And he went a billion games without being, uh, without without taking a, taking a break until last summer. But it, and some people blame this for that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he sitting and talking to him for like a good 40 minutes was crazy. So I always will say, I think the first John Sterling interview, um, and we've, you know, players through the first time Voight came in the office and talked to us. That was so cool. Cause we, we talked, you know, we became, we became the predominant, you know, Luke Voight podcast. Like I'm the number <laughs> one Voight fan pretty much. So like, it was cool to get him and stuff, but you know, we, we've got guys, Obviously, like we're still chasing, and and you know, hopefully we'll get there. But uh, but I mean, so far I would say John Sterling, the Voight one, and this Swisher one was crazy. So let's get a little let's get a little deep now. Fuck one, marry one, kill one. Three Yankee legends: Jeter, A. Rod, Mariano. What do we think? You can think this out. You can talk it through with us if you need. Marry Jeter. That's my number one athlete, like ever. <laughs> yep. Like, that's like who I want to be, who I always wanted to be, who I want to uh, mold myself after. Um, uh, this is where it gets tough because I think Jeter's the the trophy wife that you bring home. No, well, no, Jeter, I'm marrying forever. So he's yeah. Always- <laughs> so I'm gonna kill a Rod and and fuck Mariano because I mean Mariano is just he's a closer. More people. <laughs> More people have been on the moon than he's a closer. That's a good one. I should yeah. have said that. He, <laughs> but more people have been on the moon than he's allowed to score in a playoff in in his postseason career. So that's just a stat alone that just like you can't kill that guy. A Rod won us the 09 World Series. Great. Did only win us one though. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna you know favor the other two guys. That's Part fair. Of, of the core four. That's fair. The two guys that have the, the plaques in Monument Park as opposed to the one that doesn't, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. One day. One day. 
Um, to talk about Garrett Cole, too, because I know we, we mentioned him earlier in the podcast here. Um, something that I've been thinking about and that I really don't have an answer to is, does this delay, is that going to long-term, it's definitely going to affect the value in some way because, you know, you have the Red Sox fans coming back at us like, oh, have fun paying your $40 million for him to sit the bench. You know, everyone's sitting the bench right now. So I, I'm curious to, to kind of think that in the long run, I don't really think it's going to be impacted too much, but curious to hear your thoughts. Impacted in like what way? Um, in, in just the, the perceived value that people, you know, have on that price tag, um, you know, was it worth it for the year day, off? At, but... at the end of the day, that contract, the perceived value of that is how many rings did Garrett Cole bring to the Yankees? Right. That's all that fucking matters. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, there's a, there's a global pandemic going on. Garrett yeah. Cole can't single-handedly stop a global <laughs> pandemic. Um, but, uh, it's going to just matter at the end of this contract, how many rings did that man bring to New York? And that will be how you grade a cut. And honestly, sometimes it just takes one with the Yankees. It's probably multiple, but like if he single-handedly is a horse and brings us a world series championship, you can't go back and say, this is a failure of a deal. You just, I mean, like that's that when you sign a guy, you bring him to win a world series. If he single-handedly wins you that world series, you know, he'll probably need help. Sure. Mm. But I mean, he's going to win multiple world series for the Yankees. That's just going to happen. Damn right. And going into other players with contracts, obviously this year is a, was a perceived big year for us. And, you know, obviously the quest for 28 is the only thing we want in mind. But when 2021 brings, we're going to have some big names that are on contract years. Obviously, DJ, Tanaka, Paxton, Brennan Canopton. What do you what do you see as like those out of those guys or anybody else that we need to 100 percent bring back? Yeah, that was the scary thing with like if the season got cut out completely was like, all right, well, now you just have to decide between Tanaka, Pax, and D, all these guys. Like, at least maybe now we'll be able to see it and decide for ourselves. But, I mean, if they don't give DJ a six-year, seven-year contract extension at this point, I mean, that, like, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what you need to see more. I don't know why they haven't extended him. But I know he wants to stay. Like, he said he wants to stay and all that. He, he's really loved the New York Yankee culture and all that. How can you not? If they don't extend DJ Mayhew, then something's going on that I want answers to immediately. Um, so he'll be back. Uh, and then I think they'll have to decide one of two between Tanaka and Paxton. And honestly, I lead, I lead Tanaka because uh, he's obviously been here longer. Uh, he's been an unbelievable acquisition. Uh, obviously no world series championship, but I mean, the guy has literally done everything he can. And the, the guy's postseason numbers stand up, stand up for themselves. You know, they're just, you give the ball. I mean, I forgot, maybe CC said it after, uh, after the series, but he's like, if you doubt Tanaka after this, like, why? What, what, yeah. what do you need him to do? Give him the fucking ball in October. That guy's just going to shove for you, like, every single time. So, um, you know, whatever. His summer numbers might not be great against the Royals in a random game where he's not locked in. Okay. I can – we'll win enough games the regular season where it doesn't matter. But if you get the ball to him in October, game one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one of those games, he's going to be nails for you. So, I don't know. And I feel like he'd be a little cheaper – uh, because of the age uh, and packs and the injuries always it's just like they always hover around he's always got something going on and maybe the thing maybe the surgery had to get the cyst out really corrects things who, who knows he definitely has the higher upside but he probably would cost more especially if he has a good whatever this year is um, so I feel like they'll lean to keep Tanaka and then they've got enough young guys in there that they would replace Paxson with one of those guys the whole weird thing about Tanaka too is, and I think I'm guilty of it is for a long time, everybody thought that, you know, he wasn't that great, but 
I feel like no one was taking his postseason account or stats um, into account. And when you look at what he's been able to do in October, like you said, that is so worth him, you know, giving up a six spot in the first inning in some meaningless game in July. Yeah, I think a lot of people, well, prior to 2017, they would look at the 2016 um, wildcard game against the Astros and they'd be like, well, that sucked. That was like, he was a, he was a non-factor in that game and whatever. And you just looked at his regular season stats and they were, they were good. They weren't blowing away, um, especially for the money they were paying him. But ever since 2017, where he just, you know, Indians, Astros, didn't matter who he was facing. He just shut them down. And that just continued, you know, on and on. So, I mean, yeah, there's no – it's just crazy that it really just gets – it doesn't get talked about enough that his UCL is just hanging by a thread. And it just <laughs> continues to hang by a thread for all these years. He's, like, the only guy – I mean, there might be a few other guys that are missing, but, like, the only guy who has opted to really just rehab Tommy John, like, needing Tommy John and just, like, it's been fine. Like rest has worked. So, I mean, it just continues to be that way and hopefully it continues to be that way. So, but I, I, I'm a, I mean, how can you not be a Tanaka guy? Yeah, exactly. And adding on to that, obviously our white whale this off season was Garrett Cole, but what is, so, who is someone on the team or who is someone that you would love to have on the team, you know, to fill a hole we might need or just an overall player that you just love and just would be like, Hey, if he's a free agent or we can trade for him, the Yankees should do it. Are we talking like reasonable? Or reasonable, like, not reasonable, whatever. I love Max Scherzer to be on the Yankees. That would be that'd be really cool. Like ideally, you have Max Scherzer on the Yankees. That would, that would be, be sick. Or like, or like a Mike Trout. Like that would be cool. Um, but a guy that I've always like wanted, I don't. I mean, you can't say a reliever because what? How else are you gonna? Yeah. So you gotta say a pitcher. I mean, I've. I mean, I love Jacob DeGrom, too. I guess that's another guy. Like, I, I just wish he wasn't a Met. Like, he's the only Met I've ever really liked because he's just such a gamer. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love this current team. I don't see why this current team – like, I, I honestly, there's not many names that I, I – I have everybody. They have everyone <laughs> want. Like, they, you know, they have Glaber Tour. They have DJ. They have Boyd. They have Gio. I love these guys. Like, this, the outfielders are awesome. I guess – I mean, Lindor is going to become available soon. That would be cool. But, like, I don't know where you put Lindor. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what you do there because I'm, I'm not moving DJ or Glaber. And I love what's going on with Gio and, and Andahar. So, like, I don't – I don't. it's so unnecessary. Like, you want to save money? Like, sure. Why the fuck would you throw it at Francisco Lindor? He'd be awesome. But, like, it's unnecessary. Put that money into the starting rotation. You already did it with Garrett Cole. I don't even know if there's more money. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's not a guy that jumps out to me like, damn, I really wish I had that guy. Which is good. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good thing to have. Which yeah. is a good thing to have. Yeah. Well, um, I, I hope we get baseball back, and I hope it's soon. So. Yeah, I, w- I would bet we would. I would bet we would. There's enough. I think there's enough money at stake and important people that like that money um, that they're going to try and do whatever they can. And people know the alternative is no baseball, and no one gets paid, and no one wants to do that. Before we transition away from uh, baseball, too, I see that Packers helmet back there. We'll talk about that in a sec. But um, <laughs> I'm curious to hear, Hubs, what your thoughts are on that whole um, – obviously, they were going to uh, significantly reduce the minor league teams around the nation. Um, and I was just thinking about this, too. I get it. Manfred's trying to save money. But now there's a nasty other element in there of if – if all of these teams fold as many as they're saying, you know, I think it's like 120 out of the 160 teams that are going to fold or something like that, then 
there's going to be a huge dip in the economy too of people that are going to those cities and things like that just to go watch baseball games. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on there and um, kind of if you've given this some, some thought about the minor leagues. I haven't given it a ton of thought because I'm just so focused on Major League Baseball coming back. Right. But it does suck, obviously, and it was a big deal before even the coronavirus thing happened. Um, and it's brutal. And I know a ton of guys in the minors and, you know, guys who work there and, and stuff. So that it would really suck. Um, and I really hope that they do everything they can to avoid cutting as many teams as they say they are. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it's brutal. I don't, I, it's just, I guess it's reality. Yeah. Um, but, um, I don't know, there, there's politics in it and all that, but it's just, I don't know, at the end of the day, it's brutal. And I really hope they avoid doing it as much as they say they are. Agreed. So, Let's move on to the Packers, too. How did you become a Packers fan out there, too? So, um, my dad was um, – he's a Giants fan. Um, but he – we always had the Pack, – Packers were always the Fox, like, national TV game at, like, 4 o'clock growing up. So, like, they were always on my TV. And we didn't have Sunday tickets, so we just watched whatever they gave us. And there wasn't back where you could stream shit. So, like, you, you know, back in the olden <laughs> days, I guess. <laughs> No um, Reddit, but, right? <laughs> right. So Favre was always on the TV, and my dad loved Favre, and he loved like how awesome he was. And as a kid, how could you not love Favre and how crazy he was, and how much fun he had? And the Jets had Curtis Martin, who I could fall <laughs> watching, and and Vinny Testaverde, and every single Jets game was three three at halftime or whatever. It was just boring. And the Giants had Kerry Collins, the biggest snooze fest in the world, and I never liked <laughs> Tiki Barber. So and and all my Jets and Giants fans. Uh, friends were just insufferable so I was like why would why should I be forced to like these guys so uh, I was young enough that I just rooted for the Packers and ever been and that's been the way ever since not a bandwagon fan or anything I've been honestly I kind of wish I wasn't a Packer fan because (laughs) their losses in the playoffs are some of the worst you can ever like some of the worst things I've ever like it's inconceivable how they've lost in the playoffs (laughs) in my life like fourth and 26 to the Bostic uh, onside kick play to the, I mean, the fail Mary wasn't a playoff game, but that was, that was terrible. Um, to Colin Kaepernick ripping our hearts out almost like year after year, they would just play the Niners and just lose. Um, it was just, I mean, to um, fucking uh, Corey Webster, the Giants game, uh, you know, in oh, this fucking Lawrence Tynes missing a billion field goals and then <laughs> making the game one. It's just they, they lose in just the worst ways possible. They're there a lot, and that's where people are like, oh, you were for a front runner and all that. But it's like, all right, we made the playoffs, but like we lose in the worst ways possible. It's almost better <laughs> to not be in the playoffs if you lose like that. So, um, <clears throat> sure, like I've only had the root for two quarterbacks in my life so far, and that's that's. I mean, I take that for granted. I I definitely um I I don't realize how special that is because other you know. I have a buddy who's a Browns fan, and they have a new quarterback. <laughs> so, you know, and I watch the Jets and the Giants. Like, it, it, I haven't, I haven't made for me, sure, but like, it's not like the Packers have won six Super Bowls in the last decade, like the Patriots. Like, I mean, it's just not the same thing. So, it's just a lazy argument when people will say that. But, um, yeah, that is how he became a Packer fan, and ever since then, yeah, that's just the team I root for. Do you have a cheesehead or no? No, um, but I have a ton of jerseys, and you know, this is a signed Mike McCarthy. Uh, nice helmet. Um, I don't even know why I have that. <laughs> um, I got bobbleheads and stuff. I do not have a cheese head though. So yeah, nobody uh, doubts your your emotion to the team and <laughs> care because I think 
recently with the NFL draft, you know, everyone's watched on t- uh, Twitter and Instagram, you know, some might've thought the Yankees might've lost a world series, but yeah, sometimes draft- my tweets, my tweets out of context can scare Yankee fans like, <laughs> like terribly. They'd be like, did yeah, Aaron well, that was – I remember the, the guy on Syracuse, Joe Girard, that and was you, you tweeted that, – yeah. <laughs> That's just unfortunate. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's just, he made it like a deep three, and I was like, Joe Girard, in all caps. We like, did he come back to the <laughs> – <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this is, is – this is really unfortunate that this I mean you got me I'm like I googled Joe Girardi I'm like what the fuck is going on where did he go is he the manager of the Mets now or what so now I gotta say JG3 which I don't want (laughs) to say but I guess I have to because he's electric but um yeah that was unfortunate but no I was not I was really happy for the NFL draft and like something to watch and all that and it was exciting and I did a whole zoom thing with my buddies and you know we were drinking all that and yeah, no, I, I kind of wish the NFL draft didn't happen after that <laughs> shit. I mean, that was – that was, it still doesn't make sense. I still read articles every day about it, trying to make sense of it. I just don't. I'll never understand what happened. Never. Just don't get it. You're coming a game away from the Super Bowl, and your quarterback's had 26 touchdowns and four picks, adjusting to a brand-new offense, and this is the deepest wide-receiving draft in NFL history. <laughs> and you have a GM who likes to trade up, as we saw, and he's traded up in the past, too, in good ways, and I've really liked his drafts before this. Fucking Jair Alexander was an awesome pick, um, and, uh, and Darnell Savage, and they, he's had good drafts, and I really like what he does, and he's aggressive, and then you just go away and punt on anything you've built, any chemistry Rodgers has built with the floor is just gone. He's lost all the faith. You're basically just telling him, hey, dude, you're off the team in two years. Like, that's it. Like, you don't draft Jordan Love. You don't trade up to draft Jordan Love in the first round and not anticipate him taking over the team in two years. You just don't. So, um, if people are like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe the Packers can trade him. Well, then it's a terrible – it's even worse of a pick because then why – you're just wasting. And then it's just so much bad about it. It's not even the Jordan Love pick. It's the A.J. Dillon pick. It's unbelievably horrible. He could be a great running back. Don't get me wrong. But Aaron Jones led the league in touchdowns last year. That's Jamal not the problem, Williams, yeah. Jamal Williams is a very competent uh, number two who the team loves. His chemistry and the way he – he's like the, the – when he walks into a room, like he brightens the room. That's how much people love Jamal Williams. And now you're bringing this guy in who could be good. And he was very – and, you know, people would stack eight in the box against him in BC and like – and he would kill them still. Uh, but he's also running to the ground there. He had like 850 carries in three years. So his knees are probably nothing. And he plays the most replaceable position in football. Aaron Jones was drafted in the fifth round. You find these guys later. You can find a running back anywhere. Like, if you have one, there's no reason to take one again in the second round when there were still receivers there. That's nonsense. And in the third round, they took a tight end who was supposed to go in the fifth round. So, like, (laughs) I I don't know. And then they draft linemen after that, and a few defensive guys are going to play special teams. It was – Without a doubt, to me, the worst draft in NFL history. I, there's nothing worse. It's crazy that they just ignored helping mm-hmm. Rodgers again and, you know, just slap in the face. And honestly, like, I'm almost to the point where I wish, like, he goes to another team and has is able to play these remaining years and try to chase a ring because the team that he's playing for has given up, for, given up on him, and that's bullshit. I mean, the Patriots do need a quarterback. Just throwing. I could there. see him going there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, be the most no. Belichick thing in the world. They land Aaron Rodgers. Right? Oh no! Don't <laughs> even. It would speak. probably cost a third round pick. 
don't speak yeah. that into existence. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I could, I, I could completely. It'll see. It'll be very interesting to see in the next month or so, the quotes and the leaks that come out of Rogers' camp about how, like, how he's feeling it. And there's, there's one guy, a beat reporter who works for the Athletic, but apparently he's. I mean, he for the most part, he doesn't know anything and he just makes things up. But he said like Rogers isn't happy. We'll see. We'll see if there's any more leaks that come out there. But if he starts to really float out there, how pissed off he is and, like, how taken aback he is, I wouldn't put it past Belichick to sneak in there and give up a third-round pick or something like that and just take the money. So, yeah. It sucks. Really sucks. <laughs> well, to close out, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It means the world to us. Do you have any um, message to our fans or anybody on the internet, anything you want to plug in? Now's your time. So, so – when is this coming out? This is coming out Monday. Okay, so the Swisher interview will be out already, so go listen to that at the Shore Report. You can find it any, anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Um, follow me on Instagram, Eric underscore Hubs. I'm on Twitter at Barstool Hubs, and I blog under Hubs at uh, Barstool Sports. We need to know um, if you're a believer in Mush Madness, too, before we close. I mean <laughs> – it's Are you a loyal to... follower of Mush Madness? Oh, yeah. I, I watch every, I mean, he's my co-host. That's my buddy. Yep. So, yeah, I watch every one. But I always even respond. The, I always respond. The 26-hour one? When he, yeah. Well, I didn't watch the whole one. But I remember going to bed. I go to bed around, like, 4 in the morning these days. I just, like, oh, Jesus in the thing. Um, but I remember going to bed, and I woke up, like, six hours later, and he was still doing it, and my heart sank. Oh, my <laughs> God. But, uh. No, it's funny. We when we talked to Voight, Voight, Voight was like, "Yeah, I watch every single one of these. These are great. Like these are these are my sports, pretty much." So um, you never know who's watching these. But if, whenever he asks whatever number you think it's going to be, I always say like ten days. Like I just never think. <laughs> and finally, for the last one that took as long as it did, I said, "How how high do numbers go?" And I ended up being pretty close. So, <laughs> let's see. He did one against. He's doing these. Like he's going to try and do like matchups now to like so it doesn't go hours and hours and hours and then he did a kyle freeland yesterday and got destroyed so he might have to rethink <laughs> that strategy oh jeez. uh well hubs thank you so much appreciate you taking the time for us and i uh, hope you stay safe out there you got it thanks for having me guys later guys take later. care man all right that was a great interview uh we thank hubs a ton for coming on to the show that that was awesome i mean he's a very very bright guy um Huge Yankee fan, which is awesome, and I, I hope that we're we're all drinking at Billy's or stands with him sometime this summer in the Bronx, and if not, uh, whenever we can. Hopefully, we're out there in October before a playoff game, drinking a beer with him. So, uh, great guy, and obviously he's off to, to real good things at Barstool. So, um, so we thank him for coming on. That's pretty much all we have. We covered pretty much everything we wanted to. Um, of course, you can follow us on social at the.bbb.podcast on Instagram, on Twitter. They're just underscores. Um, that's really all we have. So why don't we bring it home with our positivity corner? Yeah, so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for the positivity corner. And my good friend of mine, Jack Dunn, texted me this morning. He goes, what has been your go-to happy song during the quarantine? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, damn, that's, you know, that's a pretty tough one. And I was just thinking about like a drive I was going on recently. And I have this playlist called Dog You Day Drink because we went to Bryant University, go Bulldogs. And it was just like a bunch of like oldies and alternative music. So I said 3 a.m. by Matchbox 20. I'm like, that's on. 
that song plays and I have like some great memories. But then I was saying like, oh, you know, I need to catch up on some new music. I've been slacking. He's like, no, that's fine. Like I'm making a playlist. I'm texting a hundred people and putting it together. And it's just like the smiles of quarantine. I'm like, that's a fucking sick idea. But I kept going back. I'm like, what kind of new music like do we have? I haven't really been listening to music. And then I realized the positivity is there's artists still producing a ton of stuff, even during quarantine. And we have some great artists. I mean, Drake obviously dropped some of his mixtapes, which are pretty cool. Lil Baby and the Baby have some new music. Mac Miller, you know, pouring out for him, rest in peace. Oh. Which yeah. always hits home. Uh, Dude, I has- listen to Mac for like probably combined nine hours this week. Yeah. RIP, man. So he got a new album. Uh, KIDS, Kicking Incredibly Dope Shit. So definitely check that out. But we also have Luke Combs and Kenny Chesney and a bunch of different artists. So whatever you're doing, you know, if you need some positivity in your life and you need to brighten up the mood, check out some of the new music or go back to those songs that really make you smile and look back and be like, wow, you know, we're going to get through this and it's going to be a good time. Hell yeah. For me, that was Post Malone, uh, Beer Bongs and Bentleys. Um, <clears throat> shout out to the Hall 2 crew, Bryant University in 2018. That's when that Metric album City. came out. Metric City, baby. That was uh, the that's the album that brings that back for me. Like, you know, whenever I turn that on, I'm like, wow, I remember our buddy Zach Mastriani just ripping psycho in the shower every single time he showered <laughs> for maybe a week. So, um, you know, fun stuff. Um, that's all we have quick shout out as well to a big follower of ours, craft guy underscore Mike. That's Mike Rotondo over in Shelton, Connecticut. Uh, go shoot him a follow. He just fired up a new craft account. Um, hell of a bio just a big fan of beer and a little emoji that's what it says that's it. so um that's it. so go follow him he's been a good friend of the show so far and um you know uh, definitely a good uh, account to follow in the craft world that's all for us we will see you next week for episode five that's will i'm jake so long folks love you guys take it easy mm-hmm.